you're listening to the Rural Advancement Podcast. Rural Advancement provides resources to empower, equip, and encourage rural pastors and churches. Join our community by visiting us at ruraladvancement.com. Welcome, everyone. This is Dave Bennett at Trinity Bible College and Graduate School. Have with me Dobie Weasel, who is the president of Life Ministries, Life Tribe Ministries, that is. And Dobie, I want to welcome you to our campus. It's great to be here, Dave. Thank you for thank you for doing this. It's exciting that you're here studying the Rural Ministries MA at Trinity. How's your week going? You mentioned that your mind is fried. <laughs> it is Thursday. Well, yeah, it's it's a lot of stuff to to absorb, and it's been a while since I've been in uh, formal education. Yes, uh, but it feels good. It feels good. I. Uh, was speaking with Dwight uh, a while ago, and he said, uh, a lot of people at our age, being in ministry for, Lord, how long has it been? 35 years All right. uh, yes. full-time ministry. Uh, we have a tendency to plateau and to just kind of, mm-hmm. you know, coast a little bit. And and this has helped me, you know, having pastored for so long and prepared sermons and administrating churches and all of the stuff. Not that it's an easy thing to do, but uh, I mean, it's kind of like riding a horse. You you know, you, you, you know how to ride the horse and you know what to do. And we can get to the point to where, you know, we do what we do because it's automated and mm-hmm. it's automatic. If we don't challenge ourselves, it's easy to kind of get in that rut and not not continue to grow exploring other areas. And so that's what that's what this has done for me is it's challenged me. And I look forward to the next few years uh, in doing this. This is exciting. It's challenging, <laughs> sure. uh, definitely, but it's exciting. That's great. We're happy you're a part of it. Sharpening the weapon. Well, hey, you're a friend of our family, have been for decades, my parents, and you have been in ministry in various contexts together for these 30-some years you've mentioned. Native Youth Camp in Montana, I know you shared experiences there. Also, as alumnus of Trinity, it was great of you to volunteer back in the 2000s, I believe it was, when we were having Native American youth conventions. My family has gotten so into your preaching that you've become, honestly, I can say this truly, one of our favorite preachers. So. Come on. <laughs> When our five children were all together with us, we'd travel out to um, Southeast Iowa on a Sunday morning at the end of the Thanksgiving uh, Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah, we'd head back and make sure we left New Sharon, Iowa, in time to get to to oh, Omaha man. to hear you preach on the second or third yeah. service, whatever that was. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's that's quite an honor. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. I. I, I uh, uh, what can I say? Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I've known you as an innovative pastor, evangelist, camp speaker, and yet your life has taken a different direction. We really, we're going to talk about that in a couple of minutes here. But to lay a foundation, I'd like to help our listeners get a quick view of your story as a young Nate. Yeah, I, I, I'll, try to, I'll try to make, uh, make this as <laughs> succinct as I possibly can. Growing up, uh, born, born on a little reservation in north central Montana, mom was an alcoholic, gave away most of her children, gave me to an aunt who took me off the reservation. So I was actually raised on and off the reservation, uh, raised between Fort Belknap and Billings. Oh, yeah. Alcoholic situation, very dysfunctional. Quit school in the seventh grade, started selling drugs, and went back to the reservation to sell drugs when I was 16, 17, and wound up getting saved. Came mm-hmm. to Trinity about a month after I got saved. and uh, Former drug dealer. Yes, yes. <laughs> and was here for four years. Graduated in 1984, went to Gallup, New Mexico pastored there for seven years, Oh yeah. traveled after that as an evangelist for 10 years, 
And then 20 years ago, we went to Omaha to pastor a church. Pastored Glad Tidings for eight years, left for two years, and then went back there and planted a church 10 years ago, which we just turned over to our son uh, and daughter-in-law. And mm-hmm. uh, and Jamie and I formed our ministry that we are now involved with called Life Tribe. And yes. so that pretty succinct. It didn't say a whole lot about you know, my, my former um, B, BC days, but sure. that's okay. Uh, the Lord, the Lord has just, uh, yeah, I, I look back and it's been, that was 1979. So right. this year it's been 40 years mm. since I gave mm. my life to Christ. Praise uh, God. That's crazy. I mean, it's, it's, it's just flown by. Yeah. Well, it's great to have a person like you <laughs> who's come through that kind of background. You, you've stayed the course and you're even honing your skills at this point in life, which is exciting. Uh, I've grown up on the reservations as well. My parents being yes. missionaries to the natives yes. and I'd like you to talk with us about uh, what are some of the great needs of Native American people, let's say, especially in rural settings. Obviously, there are there are uh, Native people in, in urban settings, True. but uh, still, I think the, the vast majority of Native people are still on the reservation in rural mm. settings. Uh, and in that uh, rural setting, as you know, many of those, especially in the Dakotas, they are out in the middle of, uh, almost some of them out in the middle of nowhere. And, you know, when you, when you look at the historical, at the history and why Native people were put, you know, so far away from the general population, mm. I mean, there's an understanding there yes. as to why they were situated like that. It lends itself, whether it's Pine Ridge or Yankton or, mm-hmm. or some of these places, it, it lends itself to a lot of a lot of social ills, you right. know, whether it's it's alcoholism or drug addiction. I mean, now methamphetamines and heroin, I mean, is is uh, becoming very popular uh, on the reservations. You've got along with that, along with drugs and alcohol, you have rape, you yes. know, the incest. I mean, just all of that stuff. And then the, then you have suicide and you have high unemployment rates, you have dropout rates. I mean, just the social ills are, I, I often describe the reservation as taking the hood <laughs> yes. and putting it out in the middle of nowhere. There we go. You know, oh, and, what and so a lot of need. And I was just telling one of the young men in class uh, just today that the reservation, if you've never been to the reservation, and he had, mm-hmm. he had, he had mm-hmm. gone to uh, Pine Ridge, he had gone oh, yes. to, uh, I want to say it was Lower Brule or one of the reservations. Sure. And uh, we were just talking about his uh, experience. And as we we're talking about it, he said, it's like going to a third world country and it just being down the road. Yes. And and I said, yeah, I, there, are, there are a lot of third world conditions uh, mm-hmm. in our nation, surprisingly enough, there are a lot of people that don't realize mm, that yes. there are third world conditions in our backyard. Yeah. So. You know, th- these are huge challenges. And as, of course, I grew up on the reservations and I didn't know I wasn't a Native American <laughs> until about <laughs> kindergarten age. I've got little moccasins that are four inches long uh, and uh, a lot of different things from my childhood. They're very special to me. And I know the Native people as incredibly gracious people, mm-hmm. loving people, yes. very family oriented. And yet, family, that's one of the big issues too. But tell us about Life Tribe Ministries. You're the president of it. You and your wife, Jamie, have been establishing this. Tell us uh, what it's about and the impact you are having uh, with that ministry. We we traveled as an evangelist for 10 years mm-hmm. uh, among Native people. The U.S. Center for World Missions back in the day, and that's been now 30 years ago, uh, they came out with a statistic that said at that point, there were, three, I want to say 3.2 million Native people 
people in the U.S. and Canada. Yeah. And of the 3.2 million, they said that less than 5% were born again. Mm-hmm. And in fact, they said it was more like 3%. Sure. And so I heard that statistic. And as a Native person, I thought, well, that's just not acceptable. And so uh, we resigned our church in Gallup and Mm -hmm. we got on the evangelistic field. And for 10 years, I traveled and preached every youth camp, camp meeting, church Mm -hmm. revival, leadership seminar. I mean, wherever God opened the doors in native land, I would go. Yes. At, At the end of 10 years, the U.S. Center for World Missions basically said, you know what? Nothing has changed. And then now it's been, now it's 30 years and we have 5.2 million native people. Mm, and yeah. still that's the, that, that same percentage that, that somewhere between three and 5% and it's more like 3% that are born again. So we have this huge mission field in our mm-hmm. backyard. And so uh, my wife and I were, uh, we, we had planted this church 10 years ago with my son and daughter-in-law. And, and two years ago, we began to receive uh, supernatural dreams. I had two dreams specifically, and I'm not a dreamer. I mean, in 40 years of being saved, I can tell you I've had less than less than a handful of dreams that I know that have been prophetic. Yeah, not generated by pizza and pickles. Right, exactly, (laughs) exactly. And so one dream, my wife and I were asleep in in our bedroom, and we heard the doorbell ring, and we woke up, got dressed, and we went to our our living room and looked out, and there were uh, on our porch there were ten, or excuse me, there were there were seven Indian kids. Mm-hmm. And we opened the door and one of them said, we don't have any place to, to stay. Can we stay here? And so we brought him into the house and, and there are some more specifics to that dream. But that was that, that was just one dream. And then there were mm-hmm. there. I, I had two. My wife had another one. We just knew that God was launching us back into full time native work. Sure. And so as I began to consider that, I'm 58 this right. year. Yes. And, um, you know, I I'm not at the stepping off place, but I can kind of see it from here. I didn't want to get to the end of this season of my life and look back and still, I mean, I I don't want to be 78, 80 years old, sitting on the rocking chair of my, of my life, looking back on the horizon of of the work that the Lord called me to do and still have yet only 3% of me. I mean, I don't want to, I mean, I'll do it if that's what God wants, because really it's all about obedience. Sure. And my pastor used to say that we're responsible for obedience. God's responsible for results. Yes. So that said, I mean, I I obviously would would obey God and and whatever, but I don't want to get, I would rather not Mm -hmm. get to the the horizon and look back and still yet only 3% are born again. I mean, I'd love to see 10%, 20%. I mean, if God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, why not believe him for an inversion of those numbers? You know, 97% born again and only 3% don't know Christ. (laughs) Yes. So with that in mind, I began to pray when I knew God was launching us into this next season. And as I began to pray and say, God, I mean, you've heard the adage that if we do if we continue to do what we've always done, we'll always get what we've always yeah, had. Same results. Yeah. I began to pray and say, God, show me what I've never done because I want to get what I've never had. And as I began to pray, I, I felt that God literally led me to to a story of Bill Bright, who, oh, yes. you know, Campus Crusade for Christ, sure. Lauren Cunningham uh, with YWAM, and a guy named Francis Schaefer who started Liberate Fellowship. The, as, I, as I heard it, um, back in 1975, they got together to have either either breakfast or lunch, 
they, they were they were having a meal and discussing world evangelism. And as they were discussing world evangelism, uh, Bill Bright began to share with the other two guys how that God had given him a strategy to reach the nations through seven mountains of culture. Mm, yes. And uh, as they were talking about it, as the story went, Lord Cunningham reached into his pocket, pulled out a piece of paper, unfolded it, slid it across the table, and he said, are you talking about these seven mountains? I mean, God had given both Bill and uh-huh. Lauren the same strategy, unbeknownst to and separate from each other. And so they began to teach this thing, which now is called, I mean, it's morphed into what we know as marketplace ministries, Mm -hmm. but it's reaching our society through these seven major spheres of influence. Mm -hmm. One of which is the church, right? But the others are arts and entertainment, Mm -hmm. business, education, family, government, and media. So, so you have these seven major spheres of influence. And what I realized when I, when I came across that story was that I had tried to reach native people through the sphere of the church sure. only, yes. which, you know, I mean, obviously I believe in the church and, and you and I both know that the church is the only thing that's really going to outlast everything else, <laughs> For sure, you know, mm-hmm. but that said, I, I just began to pray and say, God, show me how to, how to utilize these other spheres of influence in the sense that how do I operate in and utilize arts and entertainment hmm. to build yes. bridges into the native community to establish relationships uh, so that I can bring the gospel to a people that otherwise I wouldn't have any relationship with? Yes. I think there's been so little of what you're talking about. It's exciting that you're moving into these other areas of uh, reaching people. So yeah, tell us some of the ways in which some of the initiatives that you're taking and ways you're doing this. Well, one of the things we're doing uh, is is like through arts and entertainment. Arts and entertainment, it consists of film, fashion, sports, sure. music, dance, the spoken and the painted, the painted art. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so, so I mean, that in itself is a huge sphere of influence. Mm-hmm. You can go all over the place in, just in that one sphere of influence. Mm-hmm. But what we've done is we've taken, for instance, sports. Mm-hmm. And we said, okay, how can we reach Native people through sports? Now, there are people that are using basketball, people yes. that are using uh, other we, – we felt that one of the ways that we could reach Native people through a sport was – I'm a bow hunter. And I am too. Yes. And so I love <laughs> archery. Absolutely. And archery is a historical sport mm, sure, native for Native people. people. And yeah. so, so what we did is we uh, we have partnered with uh, Center Shop, which is mm-hmm. a Christian ministry. Yes. And uh, and so we are going onto the reservations, teaching archery to the kids. Mm-hmm. And the doors have opened for us to go and to minister to the Kickapoo Indian Nation mm-hmm. School. We actually teach archery in the school. Oh, great. And, and what we do is we teach life lessons through archery. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, uh, so, so in doing that, we're building bridges into the community. I had a chance to sit down with the principal of that school last year and just began to share with her because of our relationship, some of the things that we're teaching the children. Uh, she began to share with me how that her, I mean, she just opened up and began to share with me how that her son was on, uh, he, he was, he was on his way to jail to, to face a drug charge. And she opened up to me because as I began to share with her these life lessons, I began to share with her how I've been changed. Uh, she shared with me how there was this one kid in the school who was incorrigible and he was just, I mean, he had been called to the office so many times and he had called her this name and that name and the other name. And I just was able to look at her and say, you know what? I was that kid. Mm, yes. I was that kid. And here's what happened to my life. Sure. 
And as I shared with her my story, she opened up and I had a chance to pray with her and her, right. uh, about her son and uh, encouraged her to, if she needed any help or if she wanted to get him into a teen challenge or a dream center situation. Yes. That, and, and, and it was just, I would have never had a chance to minister to that lady, mm-hmm. nor those kids, right. had I not stepped out of the realm of the church mm-hmm. and just used a simple tool to build bridges into the Native community. Mm-hmm. And so that's just one, yes. one instance uh, where we're, we're ministering. We're partnering with Gallup University in Omaha. Um, their president is a guy named Jim Clifton, who wrote a book called The Coming Jobs War. And uh, the premise of the book is uh, that the nation who can create more jobs in the future in this next season will be the nation to lead the world. And uh, so they are very, very much into raising up entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. Well, with with the high unemployment rates on the reservation, I've always asked myself, why don't we have entrepreneurs? I mean, with the tax breaks that are available to companies on the reservation, Uh, why don't we have more native entrepreneurs? Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Mm -hmm. But what I did is I knocked on their door and I said, hey, I understand that you have created a test. Now they created a a test called the Strength Finders Test. Oh yes. You've taken that? Yeah. And, And it's a great tool that companies and schools and and different groups are using to assess each other's strengths and weaknesses so that we can know what our teammates look like Mm -hmm. and we can work together better. Uh, We've done, we've assessed everybody on staff at the church. And so we know what our strengths are. Well, they've also created a new test called the BP 10, which is a builder profile 10. And the builder profile 10 assesses your propensity uh, to be an entrepreneur. Huh. And they, they, they did a beta test with uh, Omaha juniors and seniors, uh, took the top 10% of those who tested high on that, uh, brought them to Gallup, did a cohort, and then they paired them with mentors in the business community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so these kids who have a propensity to be entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. now are being put with business leaders and owners so that they can nurture those tendencies in these kids. And so, uh, yeah, so I went to them and and one of the guys who developed that test is a guy by the name of Taylor Keene, who is the professor of uh, entrepreneurship for the, um, I can't remember exactly right now the name of the school, but it's affiliated with Creighton University. All right. And, And he's a native guy. Yes, and so I'm okay. talking with, 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 with Taylor and I'm, I'm telling him about, you know, my dream to, you know, reach into the native community through all of these different areas. And he said, well, why don't we reach out to Gallup? They just did this mm-hmm. thing for, you know, Omaha juniors and seniors, and maybe they'll do it with native kids. And so we've approached them and uh, we're working with them now to take this test, put it into the hands of at least the Nebraska native kids. And, and then from there, we're going to uh, expand it. But I hope to get some of the Nebraska native juniors and seniors to gallop to go through that same yes. that same training and uh, hopefully in the in the future raise up some native entrepreneurs. Yeah. We're working with, you know, what happened through that, we got a connection with Ho Chunk Incorporated, oh, which see. which is on the res yes. and uh, led by a guy named Lance Morgan. All right. Lance Morgan is a is a Winnebago Indian who graduated from Harvard with mm-hmm. with a degree in law. Uh, started a, a practice with the Winnebago tribe 
uh, back in 1995, won a pretty good sized lawsuit. I want to say it's like $6 million hmm. and uh, talked the tribe into taking a portion of that and formulating an economic development corporation. Hmm. Good. And so what they did is they formed this economic development corp called Ho-Chunk Inc. And the first year they garnered, I want to say $400,000 in profits. The next right. year, 600,000. The next year, 700,000. The next year, eight or nine. And then over a million. Well, that's 25 years ago. Last year, hmm. uh, they brought in $250 million. Oh my. Yes. <laughs> that's sizable. And they have, they now have 30 companies under that umbrella. They are tearing it up <laughs> as far as economic development on mm -hmm. their reservation and in native land. He was yes. just voted as uh, uh, he was on the cover of some magazine. And, mm. and I say all that to say I did an interview with him two months ago. Okay. And uh, now we're building bridges into that community mm. because we're operating in this area of business that mm -hmm. as a preacher, I would have never... <laughs> got connected with Lance. Sure. But now I'm connected with Lance. I'm connected with his team. And who knows where that relationship's going to go. And what we're doing is we're just building bridges into the community, mm -hmm. establishing right relationships mm -hmm. so that somewhere down the line, we'll be able to earn the right to speak into their lives mm -hmm. and to share the principles of the gospel, yeah. which is the good news. <laughs> so anyway. Wow, these are tremendous examples. So you've shown us two of the mountains and what you're doing besides the mountain of spirituality or the church. And I have in my hand a wonderful brochure you've created for Life Tribe, which goes into the other mountains and things that you and your organization are doing. I think that's fantastic. And you've challenged me and I have a feeling our listeners to um, get outside of the box of thinking, what can I do within the church and thinking of what are some other ways to bring the good news to people. So this is exciting. And how can people get in touch with you, Dobie? Well, if they, uh, if they would like, they can uh, go to our website, Mm -hmm. which is uh, www.lifetribe.tv, uh, or they can email me at info at lifetribe.tv. Uh, they can go to our Life Tribe Facebook page or our Life Tribe Instagram. They can they can email me at my personal website, which is Pastor Doby mm -hmm. at yahoo.com. Okay, uh, that's spelled P A S T O R D O B I E yes. at yahoo.com. So a lot of ways to get a hold of us, or just friend me on Facebook. Okay, there yeah. we go. Hey, thank you so much. It's been great to have you as a guest here today. So this is Dave Bennett with Trinity Bible College and Grad School. Have a good day, friends. Mm -hmm.